Welcome to Crash Chords Autographs. A first for Matt, and perhaps for most podcasts, this week's interview is partially brought to you from a gondola lift on the part of our guest and lucky traveler, indie rapper, rocker, and actor, Coolsy. In the midst of his Colorado tour, Coolsy discusses everything from his apparent interest in nature to his favorite horror flicks. He also promotes his latest record, Hit Factory, along with its recent music videos, Wanted the Most and Glasses, which features fellow rapper and touring mate Schaefer the Dark Lord. Coolsy and Schaefer can presently be found on the Fam Fiction Tour, along with Megaran and Fresh Kills and Uncle Fester. So now, from the gondola to your ears, he is presenting Matt Storm and Coolsy. Hello, Coolsy. Hello, Matt Storm. How are you? Good. How are you, sir? I'm really good. I'm walking by a bubbling brook in your eyes. Yeah, here, hold on. Maybe you can hear it. I'll hold the phone up. <laughs> You hear that bubble? A little bit. I don't know if it'll come through uh, on yeah. when we post the podcast, but you know. Check this out. Check this out. You can hear that, right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> Thank we're gonna, you. We're about ready to get on a gondola or a gondola, however you like to say it. Oh, we're going to get on a gondola and head up this. I'm going to give this podcast while I'm on a gondola. Wow, that that would be a first for us. We have not had a musician of any kind give an interview for a podcast on a gondola. So, <laughs> thank you for that. Um, yeah. I, I want to say it's a it's a pleasure to get to talk to you, and thank you. I'm a I'm a huge fan of your work, and I love the latest record. Um, and I actually have a lot of questions about it, but I just appreciate you taking the time to actually do this interview with us. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Um, I I actually first discovered your work through uh, Shape of the Dark Lord. Um, I heard tour song and I was like, who is this guy? I need to hear more of this guy and uh, <laughs> went out and discovered your other stuff through there. Um, and I've been a fan since uh, the first question cool. I'd actually had was about hit factory. Um, obviously you're a rapper by nature. Most of the time you're nerd. You have a lot of great nerdcore songs. Um, but this new record, you dabble in a lot of other genres. Um, and I remember reading the blurb about, you know, you wanting to write an album that you would listen to that, that are hits to you. What made you decide to go in that direction with the newest record? Well, I mean, I did do, um, I am well known for hip hop. It's true. And I mean, I did do, uh, the E series of EPs I did between 2007 and 2009 for all hip hop and but if you listen to my first album, The Honey, it's it's got like a country song on it and like a pop song and and like a lounge type song on it too. So, you know, and beyond that, I've always been into all the genres. Like my first demos were actually more kind of like Lou Barlow influenced home recording stuff uh, <laughs> rather than hip hop, you know. So, I mean, like as far as the public eye goes, you know, I understand that I've done a lot of hip hop, but as far as like 
people that I know that I've been passing around demos to and everything, they definitely know me for playing rock and roll and indie rock and pop and everything as well. So it wasn't that crazy of a thing for me to do. You know, it was just, uh, you know, I just wanted to make a tight album. You know, for me, like my actual albums are, I consider to be the honey and hip factory because they were albums that I conceived of as like a tight studio album, you know? Right. So I have like some demos and some collections and things like that. But yeah, I mean, it wasn't that as far as genres go, it wasn't that big of a leap for me. I've been writing all sorts of different kinds of genre songs forever. So. I mean, and that's one of the things that I really like about the different genres on the, the on Hit Factory and on Honey is that it, it gives it a versatility as, and gives you versatility as a musician. Like, it's not just one thing. You're capable of a lot, and it really comes through on the record. Um, you know, I, ha- I mean, my, my favorite track actually on the, on the whole record was uh, Want It The Most, because as far as hip-hop tracks that I've heard you do, that one seems like the most... I don't know, it's just got this power and this energy that I really dig, you know? Thanks, yeah, I think that's coming through a lot. I, I feel it, it's everybody's favorite song live right now. You know, I, I end with it a lot, and everybody seems to seems to be communicating with people a lot. So, I mean, and, hey, I'm going to toss this coffee over here, okay? <laughs> so we're about ready to get on the gondola right now. Cool. And so where are you right now? Cause I know you're on tour and we're chatting between tour nights. Um, where are you in, um, Colorado still? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Hold on just, I'm sure. Just my coffee. I just chugged my coffee and now I'm looking for the correct, uh, recyclable dispensary. <laughs> One looks right here. I'm in Telluride actually. Telluride, Colorado with my friend, APOC. Another, uh, have you ever heard of APOC? Yes, I have. Yeah, he's, we've become really good friends and enjoy each other's music. And so it's been a pretty cool tour so far. And this is his hometown. It's where he's, oh, not his hometown, but it's where he lives. Oh, cool. So we're in Telluride, Colorado. Uh, We got the day off today. It's our only day off on the 10 day tour that we're doing in Colorado. So that's where we are right now. Awesome. And so, um, do you do you just jam pack all of your tours when you go out? Do you try and just do a show every night and hit a place every night? Yeah, definitely. I like to. I don't really like how days off, but um, you know, it often works out good to have a day off. But yeah, I, I like to play as many shows as I can when I'm out on the road. I actually would love to play more than one show a day if it could if it could happen. Sometimes I try to do like an early show and a late show and two different like close by towns, but. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of a workaholic. I love to do as many shows as I can. So that's awesome. And um, so after this tour, are you going to hit another coast? Are you going to hit another state? Are you going to head back home and work on some more music? What's What's next after this tour for you? Uh, flying back to um, LA, and then we are actually um, book. Uh, we're in the midst of finishing up uh, booking a tour for September and October with, with Shaper the Dark Lord. Uh, it's myself, Shaper the Dark Lord, Mega Rand, uh, Fresh Kills, and also this other DJ from Halifax, Green Uncle Festival, will be joining us as well. Oh, awesome. That sounds great. And are, uh, have you decided where you what part of the U.S. you guys are going to hit yet? 
it's mostly east and south. We're, we're well, we are starting in LA, but we're doing like a really quick tour with Kills Mega. It's actually like three chapters uh, to the tour. So um, the first chapter is called Eastbound and Down, and that's just me, Kills, and Mega Ran headed from LA to New York. And then uh, the second chapter of the tour is going to be called Enter Six Passenger, and that's when uh, we pick up show. Oh, cool. Um, and then the third chapter is called Rise of the Extra Mites. And that's because we, uh, Extra Mites is the name of DJ duo of um, Frisch, Kills, and uh, Uncle Fest. Uh, hey, is there a reason why we're not getting on? Oh, we're going to turn to go on by ourselves. Okay, I'm sorry. We're, we're waiting in the gondola line, so uh, <laughs> we're trying to get... <laughs> it adds an extra dimension to this already very intense interview that you're going to be waterbound. So, you know. I'm going to be so high up in the air when I'm talking. I'm actually going to be. Are we going to hit 10,000 feet? Are we going to hit 10,000 feet on this or what? Here we are. Sweet. Nice. You know, I'm gonna, I'm, I'll tell you when we get to 10,000 feet. Oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> that that's exciting. <laughs> he said, yeah. this guy, wait, oh, hold on. This, what do you say? That's a local, and yeah, I think. Are you a local? Tell your ID in. Yeah, he said my head's gonna explode at ten thousand feet. So at that point, his interview will be over. Well, that's a bummer because you know, I mean, I like you, Cool Z, and I'd be kind of sad if your head blew up. I gotta say. <laughs> Thanks, man. You're a sweetheart. <laughs> I appreciate that. No, sure. I've I, I, I've gone kind of since I started my website and I started doing the so the podcast that you're on is a new one that I've just started called Crash Chords Autographs and it's a more intimate one on one interview show that I started doing recently. But our prime show that maybe when you're in New York we can have you on is we, me and two co-hosts do an album review show and uh, we review an album each week. And if we have a guest, they bring an album. And it's this two-hour-long, intense track-by-track analysis. And I love doing that show, but it's, it's fun to have, like, a nice one-on-one and uh, with, with an artist and chat. And also, doing a show like that, I kind of got really into overly analyzing music and, and enjoying music on a different level. So when I discover new music that I really like, such as yours, um, it, it's really cool to get to talk to the artist about it after the because I've got all these things that I've picked up from it or felt from it, and it's nice to really chat about it. Hey, man, if you want, I'm going to be on the, if you don't mind, I'm going to be on the phone. Is that okay? Cool. I'm sorry. We just got on the gondola. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but yes, that's really awesome. I would love to do uh, an uh, album one as well, and I, I look forward to hearing it. I actually have never even listened to any podcast that I've been on. Yeah. Well, yeah, I remember you saying on on Schaefer's show on on the Epic Podcast that you you don't listen to podcasts. <laughs> I know that was a little. I mean, I don't keep all of them, you know. I, I mean, I don't hate. You know, I was kind of in a mood. I had like a, uh, I had a really bad uh, upper respiratory infection. Oh, those are the worst. Really, and I was really drunk, and I had just taken the subway from Wall Street all the way to. Uh, Queens do a story after that podcast and and I was road weary for after a tour so it was uh yeah I was a little cranky <laughs> um but uh but yeah so well I imagine since you're doing an east coast tour you'll hit New York at some point so I'll definitely come out to that show when you do because uh, I would love to, to see your stuff live which I have yet to have a chance to so 
Awesome, man. Yeah, I would look forward to meeting you. So, um, obviously, since you, you play a lot of different genres and you're into a lot of different kinds of music, you must have, you know, a ton of influences for why you started music. Um, do you have like a number one, like this artist is the reason I started music or is it kind of just an amalgamation of many things? Well, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, there's just, I, there's been different phases in my life for sure, you know. Like, I, I started out listening to only Weird Al again because when I was a kid, that's it. I would wow. just only listen to Weird Al. So I always just wanted to make... I think that's probably one of the reasons why I'm super into style parodies but that are not, you know, that are heartfelt. You know, like, I'm a huge Ween fan, for example. Yeah. And and, and I think a lot of people think that they're aping, you know, they're, they're copying styles and, and bands, but I don't agree. I think that... You know, they're, well, they definitely are to some de- degree, but it's, you know, heartfelt and like their songs are, are legitimate, you know, and, uh, and I think that, you know, at an early age, that's something that I got really into was the idea of, you know, just creating style or like, I don't know how to put it. It doesn't sound negative or derogatory, you know, but, you know, aping, aping styles is kind of fun, you know? Yeah. But I, I mean the, yeah. So I would say that that's definitely like my roots from when I was a kid. But then I listened to nothing but hip hop from like fourth grade until eleventh grade, and that's it. Uh, and it was like you know golden era, like early nineties stuff. So um, that was you know all the I was definitely really influenced by like Bismarcky and Wu Tang and all that stuff. You know so. Um, and then, you know, after, or at the end of high school, beginning college, just got into everything. And, uh, and I just get into more and more, I think, as I get older, I try to, I try to not be dismissive. I don't like only liking one kind of music. It bugs me when people only like one kind of music. I think it's really closed-minded, you know? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I feel like, especially with the access that you have now between YouTube and Spotify and and iTunes and all of this quick way to get your hands on music to be only into one kind really limits yourself. And it's like, I don't, it's just, you have, you can get access to stuff and preview stuff for free so easily. Now there's no reason to not listen to everything, you know, and give everything a thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's definitely like a conscious choice to be, I mean, in general, I think that like, and a lot of Americans, I think, uh, tend, or or even just people as they get older, just tend to just start cutting more and more stuff out of their life instead of experience, uh, you know, allowing more in, yeah, more ex- exclusive than inclusive. And I think that's like some bad habit that uh, people have gotten into, that in in general, that I don't agree with. Um, so I, I try to be not dismissive, you know. I try to be inclusive of uh, whatever I can allow into my life, you know? Yeah, I hear you. Totally. Um, you mentioned before when you started listening to music and the stages you went through as you got older, have you always played music or did that come later? How did you start playing instruments, singing? Well, I started uh, rapping into like boom boxes when I was a little kid and like making tape loops with tapes, just like pause record and like doing that. Um, but I didn't even start playing guitar until I was 19. I actually like taught myself to play it by just watching, actually like by watching this one episode of 129 
where Jason Moore interviewed back Mike Mike D. Oh yeah. Uh, and there was like Beck plays Pay No Mind, I think, on it, and like the close up on his fingers doing like a finger picking pattern. And when I was 19 years old, I grabbed my dad's old acoustic guitar and just started doing that finger picking pattern over and over again, like all summer until I learned uh, it. And uh, and that's pretty much where I started learning how to play rock and roll was when I was 19. Wow, that's awesome. Um... And so that I guess you know it's kind of funny that you said it was it was Beck and Mike D were the were the two featured on that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of funny that those two, you know, which are are big musicians to anybody, you know, and so you de- developing musically, that's a great place to start. Yeah, they're definitely huge influences on me. I'm sure everybody can tell. I guess I get compared to them both a lot. I mean, I, I mean songs that I write, you know. Uh, get compared to them. So Beastie Boys and back for sure. Yeah. Um, and so uh, since you're on tour, I know you said earlier that you're kind of a workaholic and you don't really like downtime or time off, but when you do have downtime or time off, do you have a preferred pastime besides writing and recording music or is that really kind of what you stick to? Uh, no, I like, um, I watch a lot. Of, I like to watch movies. Movies are my favorite thing. I watch, I go into a movie in the theater. It's probably my favorite thing in the world. Um, I'm really interested in movies. And, uh, you know, I, yeah, I like swimming and basketball and bowling. Nice. <laughs> things I like. I don't get to do them all very often, but those are things I like to do. Um, do you have a, do you have a favorite movie right now? Uh, it's hard to see. I'm not very really good with favorites, but <laughs> I'm really excited to see the new Terry Gilliam movie, Zero Theorem, because he's my favorite. That that one actually looks very good. I love all his stuff. I know, like, some people saying that, like, Sideland isn't very good and stuff, but I completely disagree. I think that he's a genius. Everything he's done is masterpieces. Well, movies is like music or things that, you know, can your opinion on a movie can be completely swayed by the opinion, like the, the day you had, the mood you're in, your previous taste. So, you know, ju- judging a lot of movies is like trying to judge certain music. Like it, it's not necessarily bad because you don't like it. It's just not your taste kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's true. Sorry, we're just getting off the gondola. 10,000? 540 feet is the elevation. 10,540 feet. My head did not explode. I hope <laughs> I did not annoy that local who jumped into the gondola with us. <laughs> he just had he just had to listen to all that that I just said. Well, so hopefully he doesn't think I'm an asshole. Let's let's hope not. But but I don't think so. I I mean you're just chatting on the phone. Well, you're you're a sweetheart. I, we've already established that. <laughs> Thanks, I appreciate that. Um, so, um, in case the the audience who's listening or will be listening don't know, where did you grow up? Where did you uh, start out? And I know you said you live in California now, but are, are, did you always live there? Did you grow up there? Nope, I'm actually from Iowa. I was born in Des Moines, Iowa, and I grew up in a small town outside of there. It was about. 1,200 people or so, 1,500, called Dallas Center, Iowa. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, and, you know, as 
I actually know Schaefer from Iowa. We went to college together in Iowa City at the University of Iowa. So, um, and yeah, so I moved to LA in 2010. Oh, so you only moved there very recently. Well, what made you decide to move? Um, I just really, I was probably, I mean, it's because of movies. I mean, I have been writing a lot. Oh my God, this view is amazing. I write, I like to write screenplays and I like, you know, I, I really like acting. I find it very cathartic and I just like being around movies and a culture that supports movies. Oh my God, I'm so short of breath up here. <laughs> wow. This is so amazing. I'll take a picture of this and send it to you so you can see. That would be great. Yeah. Totally send send me a photo and I'll I'll include it with the uh episode when it goes up in a couple weeks. I'll uh I'll I'll put the photo with it. Hey hold on hey hold on one second now. I'm gonna keep I'm gonna do a I'll take a quick picture so you can see it. Okay. It's the core's logo. Honestly, were you playing at it, Patrick? Sweet, thank you. I can safely say that you're the first artist we've had on the show that was on a gondola ride and took a beautiful photo while on the phone. And it was above 10,000 feet. And was about ten, above 10,000 feet. And your head didn't explode, which is important. It feels like it is, though. I <laughs> I had my one night on tour where I drank whiskey last night, which usually doesn't happen. And it does feel like it's going to explode, which is kind of freaked me out when the guy told me that. I kind of felt like it was going to explode. <laughs> Do you try to stay away from whiskey typically when you're on tour? or Liquor in general is not a good thing for me. No? No. I will make out with anybody if you give me liquor. <laughs> <laughs> well... That, that's blackmailish information to put out into the world now that they know, you know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, you don't even have to roofie me. All you have to do is give me a couple of shots of liquor and I'll make out with you. <laughs> uh, well, you know, good to know. Put that in the back pocket in case anybody needs to, you know, make out with you, Colsey. I can pull that over your head. Um, so uh, besides, I'm sure, listening to your own music, um, do you have a favorite band in, in within the last couple of years, at least, like a newer band or even an older band with a newer album that you're really into right now that you've been listening to a lot of? Yeah, I mean, like, I, I get into stuff really late. And so, you know, like, I've listened to, like, stuff that people have known about forever, and I'll just get really into it. I don't know. I'm really into some cheesy stuff that most people don't like. Like, my favorite band, for example, Foo Fighters. I love everything that they've ever done, new stuff, old stuff. I love Dave Grohl. So, like, you know, that's just an example. But lately I've been listening to a, a lot of, I'm uh, just everything, but I've been listening to a lot of, like, punk, punk rock and really, like, super cheesy pop punk, like uh, Blink-182 and, like, uh, you know, even, like, Sum 41 and stuff like that. Like, I've been really into, like, just, like, the overproduced studio anthemic like pop punk that most people can't stand, you know. <laughs> As a fan of almost all music, personally, because my genres, my the genres I like spread pretty wide. I mean, I'm a fan of actual both those bands. And anyone who's telling you that the Foo Fighters are cheesy, you need to not be friends with anymore because Dave Grohl is one of the greatest musicians ever. 
I mean, thank you. I, I'm between. First of all, like I liked Nirvana, and he was a he's a great drummer, but he is way better on his own and with the Foo Fighters. And um, did you see the documentary awesome. he did called uh, Sound City? No, but I very much want to. Yeah, I've heard good, very good things about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I loved their last record, the the one they put out. It's probably two or three years ago now, but the one with with Walk and um, and Rope on it. That that album was incredible, and I I said it's better than uh, the Shapes and the Colors, but I've gotten a lot of ire for that. Yeah, yeah, you de- definitely you do get a lot of uh, slack for liking them for some reason that I don't really understand. But all my friends, you know, I mean, I tend to, I think for me, a key to me liking uh, what I like is, and I was just talking with APOC about this last night, is that I don't like pretension more than anything. Like pretentious people, you know, which is why I kind of like, it sucks because I know some pitchfork darlings are like good, but I like can't listen to any pitchfork. If Pitchfork says it's good, I like don't want to listen to it. I, <laughs> I don't want to hear it. <laughs> it's like I feel that it's like some sort of weird elitist, you know, club that they've created, and everybody's falling for it. And it just, I don't want to be a part of it, you know. Although, you know, I like Beach House just as much as everybody else, and real estate and whatever. But I'm kind of getting sick of this washed-out reverby shoegaze crap. To tell you the truth, I like want to hear some real rock and stuff like that, you know? No, I totally understand. I feel like, you know, there are a lot of great bands that do a lot of great things with technology and computers and editing and looping, but, you know, a nice good old-fashioned guitar, drum, and bass you don't really hear anymore, you know? There's not as much of that out, at least not in mainstream. I'm sure it's somewhere because you can find almost anything, but yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. It's just there's a lot of this kind of pretentious, stuff i mean I, I think that's why i initially got into nerdcore uh was because there was no pretension in the yeah, genre totally. it's totally. just a, like, it's just a group of nerdy guys or gals of every shape size and color who got into a thing they want to talk about a thing and that's it you know it's just them you gotta have fun you can't take yourself too seriously as soon as somebody starts taking themselves too seriously i like i can't get into them anymore it makes me like put all this stuff on the shelves, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, I can buy that crap. But, uh, I mean, you know, I like I like some depressing music just as much as the next person. I like Elliot Smith. I like Smog and whatever. But at least it seems like all these guys, at least you can you can find out they're poking fun at themselves at certain times. You know, like they can, they have some sort of sense of humor no matter how sad they seem, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, totally. Um, I listen to it and I'm just like, you are, you have no sense of humor about yourself. You're so full of yourself, you know? So. It's funny. This reminds me, since you mentioned you were really into like cheesy pop punk before, and we're talking about bands who don't take themselves seriously. There's a band that I'm actually friends with. They're starting to gain a lot of steam recently. They're a band called Patent Pending. Um, they are the epitome of pop punk and they dabble in other genres and actually spoof genres. And they just released a five song EP. Um, they had a song called Hey Mario, where they're pretty much singing about how Mario shouldn't be going after the princess because it's not worth it anymore. They ended up releasing a five song EP based around that with that song and four originals with them pretending to be Mario and the brick breakers, which is a band consisting of Mario and Luigi. And they're, and they're filming a half hour fake documentary about it too. But they, they play a lot of great 
genrefied pop punk that's like i mean on their newest album um brighter they have a song at the end that sounds like doo-wop and it's great so i would highly recommend you check them out because i think you'd get a kick out of them awesome man yeah i would i would definitely do that yeah um, i'm on a, a pop punk uh project myself right now called bitch little it's a new band that i have and um I, we're halfway done mixing the album and actually you can d- download for free two of the songs online on my band camp on the cool dot com page if you want. Um but yeah, I'm I'm actually got a pop punk effort coming out myself. So that's awesome. I'll definitely uh download those tracks. I hadn't realized that. That's that's awesome. Yeah, it's one of those things that I was at the right age in high school where Blink and Green Day and Sum forty one and a few others are getting were getting steam and I was like, Well these guys are just jackasses singing about whatever the hell they want and they don't seem to give a crap what other people think. I like this, you know, kind of a thing. <laughs> yeah. Like when, yeah, when all, totally. when all the small things broke as like this huge hit on MTV and most people didn't know what the hell to do with themselves, you know? And I was just getting a kick out of it. Cause it was like, Oh, punk band on MTV and playing on like TRL, you know? Yeah. I love that video. That video is so, so dope. Well, cause they <laughs> For just, all the small things. Yeah, well, because they just spoofed the Backstreet Boys pretty much, scene for scene, and 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 did it without even giving a crap. You know that that idea of pretension and like these boy bands who, you know, and some of them actually have talent, but they take themselves so seriously and make these dramatic videos that nobody cares about. And then Blink One Eighty Two comes along and spoofs it scene for scene, and people go bonkers. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff. Um, but oh, I, I, I got a fun saver camera. I'm taking pictures uh, right now on top of this mountain because I uh, I do this thing where I I don't know if you saw my Indiegogo campaign I just did but one of my rewards is that I make I like to make my own postcards so I'm like taking pictures for the postcards right now. Oh, that's awesome! That's very cool. It's always nice to do lots of other things, not just do one thing. It sounds like you you have your hands in a lot of types of projects and hobbies and things to keep yourself busy. Well, the main things I like are music, movies, and houses. I like houses because I, I just really love working on them. And, and, you know, I'm really obsessed with the idea of dwellings and, uh, you know, the, the interior design and architecture and, you know, placement and geographical location. So I kind of got into working in the houses, working on houses about 10 years ago, something that I've been doing as well so you can kind of trace my interest to those things i mean visual art too i guess yeah and drawing but yeah just art and construction kind of two of my favorite things um, um the, the other thing i'd wanted to ask you is actually because i was reminded of it today i'm um friends with randall who directed the glasses video and i was directed a video for schaefer as well i wanted to ask where the inspiration for the glasses video came from was there did you have a specific like a vision for it or did it just kind of come up with me you know a lot of things happen very organically like i know a lot of people when they they sit down i mean i'm a writer definitely i love writing um and i know everybody's got a different process for writing a different uh whether it be like a, a music video or a screenplay or a song or whatever but for me i'm very organic when it comes to writing like you know, this is one of the reasons why I, I don't have any problems. This is probably why I write in so many genres and I don't have problems doing it. 
is because I don't choose, I don't set out to write like a pop punk song or a country song or whatever. I just like write songs and then enough of them accrue that I can like put them into, I can either make a multi-genre album or make a album of songs that are all in genre or whatever. And, you know, so that kind of same thing happened with that video. It was just, we pretty much had a day off and we wanted, and I'm also a minimalist is another reason why that video probably turned out the way it did. Not only just our limitations as far as time and everything goes, but I really like just super minimal old school videos of, you know, hip hop where they just had a couple different camera angles and just, you know, re- relied on a couple takes. And cause it's kind of like, it's also kind of uh, gives you a more of a glimpse into the actual, um, the people's lives too, you know, instead of like setting it up like a huge elaborate setup or whatever, trying to make a story out of it. I like those videos too, but that video is special for me because it's actually like a glimpse of a moment in time with me and Shadow in that day, you know? Yeah. So it was just an organic, like the ideas can't, you know, obviously the uh, glasses shot where we tape the glasses on and everything. We just kind of brainstormed all that stuff that day and just sat down and came up with it over lunch and just did it, you know? That's great. And I mean, it's one of those videos that you get a sense of, even though you, even though you guys planned it within that day, it was still well thought out and it's still well shot. And, you know, I like the, like, you know, I mean, seeing a video like that reminds me of the old nineties hip hop videos, you know, where it's just the rapper rapping, you know, either walking down the street, looking at the camera or, you know, whatever. And, and I, I really just enjoy the shots and the style that, that you guys did. I think it made for a great, great little hip hop video, you know? Thanks. Yeah. And I also think it worked out really great because it was a perfect, like, cold New York or coldish gray, windy New York day in Queens, you know? Yeah. Like the, I really like the aesthetic of it being, you know, just like we're wearing like gray and it's like grayish black sky and the skyline. It was a, it was just kind of like a perfect day and did such a good job on the editing. I, I really, and then debt to him for that. He did a great job. Yeah, R- Randall's a good dude, and now that I've seen both that and and Boys, it's like this dude clearly knows what he's doing. And these are the only two videos I've seen by him because just through the friends and you know meeting him, it's what I've seen most recently. But the guy knows what he's doing with a music video. You know, it's got that kind of personal feel to it that you don't get in a lot of videos. Yeah. Like you feel like you're there. You know, kind of a thing, which is always great. Boys, Boys was dope, man. I love that. Gotta give a shout out to Christy B. Yeah, she'll probably listen to this. Oh yeah, I, I adore her. She's she's wonderful. Um, I had done an article. Um, she was here in New York when Schaefer did his tour with Adam Warrock. And, um, no, it was. Uh, I think it was. Yeah, I think it was the Adam Warrock the tour where Adam Warrock was here with him and she. They did Boys Live on stage that night, and uh, and I got to meet her. And it was just she's a really great person. I'm stoked for her music t- to come out more and have uh, an album because I think she's a real talent. Me too. Me too, for sure. Yeah, if you actually watch, I, re- I didn't realize it until I watched the video, but if you check the boys video at the very end when um, Randall pans over the crowd, the tall, doofy guy in a b- baseball cap is me. Uh, I oh, saw that at the video and I was like, oh, I'm in the video. Awesome. I immediately messaged Schaefer. I was like, dude, I'm in your video. He's like, I know. It's pretty funny. <laughs> So. Yeah, well, it's like I also had a moment when I was listening to the interview that Schaefer and Chuck were doing with you, and they were giving the shout out to their one fan because you know me and Schaefer are friends. It was like, "What up, Matt Storm?" I was like, "Oh shit, shout out on 
Epic Piecast. Awesome. Um, and I also quite enjoyed you making Charles Stunning freestyle out of nowhere. That was hilarious. <laughs> I, have not, I have not listened to it. I totally forgot that that happened. I'm <laughs> to listen to it. I, I'm like, I'm not necessarily afraid is the word. Maybe that podcast I'm afraid to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm just like, I don't know. I haven't gotten into the mindset of being able to listen to my own uh, my own voice on a podcast yet. It's tough. I mean, I've li- I like I've done over a hundred episodes of the main sh- podcast that I do, and like eventually after like the fiftieth one, I was like, I have to start listening to them. I need to know what we're saying. I need to know how we can improve it, and I can't do that if I'm not listening. And so, like, I've been forcing myself to listen to my own voice, and it's not as bad now. But in you a situation, a great voice, man. Well, you got a great radio voice. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. You're very articulate. Well thought out questions, you know. You're handsome, I can tell. <laughs> it, it's one of those things that, like, I've always wanted to do something like this because I've never felt like I was good enough to be a musician, but I've always had, like, an ear for music and I've always had a passion about it. Like, I listen to music the way most people watch a movie or play a video game. Like, I could just sit in front of my computer and diddle around online and and listen to music for hours, you know? So I want, always wanted to do something. I mean, like, creating a podcast gave me that opportunity. And uh, being able to chat with artists that I admire who are great at their craft just adds another level to it. You know? Well, if anything comes out of this podcast, I want it to be for everybody to flood my <laughs> flood me with messages of how to pronounce gondola. <laughs> yeah, uh, we have uh, my co-host who does the the preamble and intro for these episodes. Um, and does a lot of the editing. He's a um, he. He's the editor for our website as well. So he'll probably hear it and go, "What is he doing? He's saying it wrong." <laughs> yeah. Which which will give me oh, some I satisfaction. Have to make life, huh? Yeah, and I appreciate that because I like giving him a hard time. It's fun. So, um, what else can we do? Who else can we sabotage? Right. Um, 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 oh, that that was another uh, question I had had. Um, listening to Nerdcore as much as I have and seeing how tight the community is when you create a song like for example glasses you created glasses did you write that thinking you would want Schaefer to rap on that was that a collaborative effort or did it just kind of organically happen <laughs> you want to hear something funny I originally wrote that with DMC from Run DMC in mind <laughs> I don't know you can call me as delusional as you want <laughs> I was like I'm going to get run- I'm going to get DMC to- how funny and awesome would that be to get him to rhyme about his glasses. It would be amazing. Of course, Schaefer was my close second choice. Oh, well, that's good. Well, if he's listening, then he'll know that he was a close second choice. So that's <laughs> to good DMC. to know. <laughs> to DMC. I'm sure he'd take being second to DMC any day, you know. Um, but now he's first. He's above DMC. It's true because better, he's the one on that. Than, on greater a, than. <laughs> um, but is that how it kind of goes with, with a lot of tracks that you collaborated on or is it just kind of you write yeah. the song and then go see where it goes uh, well okay so like The Honey for example was very extremely organic as far as the organic stuff goes I mean a lot of it just unfolded in the studio you know mm-hmm. like songs I didn't even have all the lyrics written before you know and uh that was, but Hit Factory, for example, was an album where I was I had a lot more written, 
you know, it was everything was pretty much. Well, I don't have a lot of guests on it either, too. You know, when you're collaborating, I think it's more organic and you're open to. Like the Honey is a very collaborative album. It's like a party. You know, it's supposed to be like a party in the studio. That's mm-hmm. pretty much what it's supposed to be. Hit Factory is one of the reasons I call it that is because I'm actually writing. You know, I wrote. I mean, I you write. I'm writing no matter what, but I mean, it's more focused on the songwriting. You know. Yeah. And I actually recorded like 40 songs for Hit Factory. Wow. Um, I uh, it was originally <laughs> I was thinking about making it two albums, like two ten song albums. One was going to be all hip hop, and the other one was going to be all rock. And you know, things like really just evolve organically for me. And and it just got to a point where I just like shaved it down to the recordings that I had, the top eight, and um, actually it was the top seven. And then the last song on there, Fish to See, was just an idea that I had, and I knew it was going to be all on the album no matter how it turned out uh, as a closer. So. Other than that, um, but yeah, it was uh, it was very much more written out than the honey, you know. I but at the same time, the writing process was for me is very organic. I just it, it I kind of feel like I don't even write the stuff. It just is kind of like comes to me and is given to me. I don't know what if what you want to think about that, but <laughs> I, mean, I feel like just you know most of the time I tell people that like I I don't even feel like I'm taking credit really for writing the songs. I feel like the ideas just kind of come to me in dreams and come to me in daydreams, you know, so Apoc's probably getting sick of me being on this phone. <laughs> probably. He, uh, he's like, what are, what are those two crazies talking about? <laughs> what's the, what do you, what's the timeline left for this podcast? Do you, you, you got a, we usually do about an hour. I mean, if you had to go sooner than that, it's no problem, but usually the episodes average about an hour, hour or so. Where are we at right now as far as... We are at uh, 40 minutes. How about this? Can we do... Can I take the gondola down and call you in in like half hour and continue from there? Yeah, we could could easily uh, edit it. I could edit it together as two individual pieces. That's that's perfectly fine. Cool, man. Well, because I just don't want to bother anybody on the ride down. And uh, I feel like I did on the way up. how about I, we're just going to take it down and it's less than a half hour, maybe 20 minutes or so. And I'll, uh, I'll give you a call as soon as we get to the bottom. Okay. Sounds like a plan. Thanks dude. Awesome. Man. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. And now we can engage in part two. Yes. Let's oh. engage. Um, so how was your gondola ride and down? It, it was so beautiful, man. It was awesome. I, I love this place. It's really great. Are you a nature person? Do you like like camping and stuff? I'm a tree hugger. I love trees. They're my favorite. I'm not. I don't camp very much or hike, but I would. I just haven't, you know, done it much. But I love trees. It's really actually very simple. I just love trees. It's, that is very simple. It's it's a simple love to have, but you know what you like. <laughs> actually, uh, yeah, I I think about trees a lot. I had some like pretty good mushroom trips with nobody but the trees. That must have been very entertaining. I've had friends who have done stuff, you know, indulged in substances in the forest and said it's the, the, the sounds and the, the sights are kind of a cacophony of incredible things when you when you're on something like that, you know. Yeah. Um, totally. So, um, getting back to speaking about your music a bit. Um, do you find that um, 
do you write do you write just because do you find your writing therapeutic like so you obviously write a little bit about yourself you write a little bit about other things you know you do genre stuff do you find that it's the, like a very therapeutic thing to write and get this stuff out or i know you were saying it was organic before so it kind of just happens do you ever sit down and yeah. like think i need to relax or this thing's got me riled so i'm gonna write um yeah i mean i don't actually think about it like that but it is definitely cathartic um Writing is not, I mean, yeah, write, writing can definitely be, be a certain kind of song that can be therapeutic, but for, but a lot of the time, songwriting for me is really kind of just, um, it's more of like what I do. It's just, it just feels like what I do, you know, like whether you want to call it work or whether you want to call it a uh, project or hobby or whatever the hell you want to call it. I just, it's just what I do, you know. I think if I was going to say something is cathartic to me, I think the most, like, writing is my love, you know, it's definitely, but it's, it definitely takes a lot out of me, you mm -hmm. know, it, it, uh, you know, like writing is, can really kind of take it out of your gut sometimes, but like acting to me is probably one of the most cathartic things that I've done and, uh, like to do a little more of just because it actually does feel, you know, therapeutic, you know, cathartic to do. So... Yeah, I'd say that that's more of, as far as an artistic outlet goes, um, you know, writing. I, definitely playing live can be cathartic, you know. Playing, performing live can definitely be a therapeutic thing. And, uh, but writing, the writing process to me does tend to take energy, you know. Right. Whether you, even if it is effortless or organic or whatever, it still takes energy. Um, we were talking before about how you, you're a, lo a lover of movies and you have this vast love of all different kinds of movies and it would be hard for you to choose a favorite. I thought it might be easier for to choose a movie that you hate. What kind of movie makes you wish it had never been made? Do you have one that you could like unsee, wish you could unsee that it was so bad? Oh, man. Um, God. I've got really mad at some movies lately. I'm trying to think what I just like rated you know what I, I don't like is i just rated something one that netflix you know when netflix says they think you'll like something because you like other stuff yeah and you're like oh yeah netflix it says i will give this four and a half stars and i watch it and i'm like netflix you're wrong <laughs> uh you know this one gets one i wish i could give it zero or you can give it can you give things zero on netflix i didn't know if you could i don't think you can give them a zero i think you can only give them a one yeah. Because if you do yeah. zero, there's no rating, and they don't do half stars. I don't, oh, maybe they do have st half stars. I don't remember. Yeah, well, for some reason, it, okay, so I, I love horror movies. I love uh, horror movies, bad horror movies, good horror movies, whatever. But there's this new breed of bad horror movies that's like shock, but like really cheap shock, you know? And mm -hmm. they're not, there's, the writing is just so bad. And you don't care about the characters at all. And I can't think of any of the movies right off the top of my head that I've wasted my time with recently, but I do get really mad wasting my time with those new age horror movies that are like, you know, just shock, uh, cheap shock bullshit with nothing behind it. Really, really bad acting and really bad writing. And um, But, yeah, I mean... 
I do like some of the new ones, like the possession was really good, and I just, man, I'm just really blanking because of the hangover right now. <laughs> no, it's cool. So I'm sorry um, to give a specific name, but. No, it's, that, that's all right. I mean, I agree, though. Like, you know, the horror movies I grew up with, like, I love the Evil Dead series and, like, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. And, like, all of those, you cared about the characters. Like, even though Bruce Campbell played this kind of arrogant ass, you still cared about the character because he was funny and he was fun and you were along for the ride. But if you have a horror movie and you don't care about the characters, why would you care about the circumstances they're in or what happens to them, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. Oh, was it? Was it, uh, I just, was it Haunt? Was Haunt? I just watched Haunt and I, I thought it was really bad. Oh, yeah. I thought, but maybe not. I don't know. Don't quote me on that. Cut that for <laughs> <out. laughs> Yes, we totally will, won't edit that out. Um, um, well, like, I, one of the better horror movie slash comedies that I saw recently, have you ever seen Tucker and Dale versus Evil? No, I just uh, it's on my list. Uh, yeah, that one was great because it it did something with the genre and turned it on its head a little bit, like sort of like what the original Scream did at the time, and then they butchered by just putting sequel after sequel out. You know. Yeah, I love Scream. Oh, I'm actually watching all the Hellraisers right now. I'm on number six. I did not know that they made any past four, and so they're all on Netflix right now. And I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> oh, I can tell you. Here's something. Um, I found out that I love Scott Derrickson. Do you know who Scott Derrickson is? Yeah, sure. I freaking love him. Oh, I just saw Deliver Us from Evil in the theaters. It's so good. But how I realized I loved him was because I was watching all the Hellraisers, and I got to Hellraiser 5, Inferno, and I was like watching it, and I'm like, this is amazing. Hellraiser 4 is so bad. It's so bad. Like, yeah. You know? it's so freaking bad and then like Hellraiser 5 is just like a work of art I'm like what in the hell so I look and see who wrote and directed it and of course it's this guy um, hey what's your code Patrick 8897 cut that part out of the podcast 8799 okay I'm going to try not to bug Patrick so I'm not going to go inside uh, 8799 is the code to his apartment <laughs> yeah if you want well, there you go. Yeah, if, if, if even though we haven't mentioned the address, if the people of the internet want to try and figure out where he is, they can go find him. You want to figure out where APOC lives? I won't give you the address. <laughs> but, so anyway, Hellraiser 5, and I look at Scott Derrickson, and I'm like, this is his first like big movie. And I'm like, it makes sense. It's like such a good work of art. It's so scary. Like The lighting is so awesome. And, like, the story's great. It's just really good. And then, and then I realized that he made actually one of my favorite, favorite horror movies of all time, The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Oh, wow. So, so many people don't like it because they think it's like some sort of courtroom drama or blah, blah, blah. But to me, it's actually one of the scariest, greatest horror movies of all time. So Scott Derrickson, I'm in love with him right now. I'm trying to watch all of the stuff that he's had anything to do with. Because he does all demon stuff. Oh, that's cool. And he's like, he's really into like demon possession pretty much is like almost demons like that even the Cenobites are demons you know yeah like so uh yeah he's got like a handful of movies um he wrote Devil's Knot but I haven't seen that but uh he wrote he writes and directs most of the stuff uh, anyways that's a job for IMDb that's my plug for Scott Derrickson go see <laughs> Deliver Us from Evil in Theaters now there you go um 
Yeah, it's it's funny how sometimes you'll realize after the fact how much you love a director before even realizing it. Like, obviously, everyone loves Christopher Nolan now because of Inception and, and the Batman movies. And, like, I happen to love The Dark Knight. It's one of my favorite movies, let alone comic book movies. But what I didn't realize after going back is I never saw, uh, what was the one that he did, The Prestige. I'd never seen that in theaters. And I went back and watched it because it was on Netflix, and I just watched The Illusion. Oh, good. And, and I was like, oh, another movie about magicians. Sure, I'll watch this one too. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I watched it, and I watched the season, and I was like flabbergasted. And then I saw at the end it was directed by Chris Nolan, and I was like, what the, get the hell out of here. Like, and that's how I kind of found out that I really, I actually really love his stuff, because it's just, he's got a unique style, and it, it comes, I mean, The Prestige is one of those movies that's like almost flawless. Plus, you get to see uh, David Bowie as Tesla, which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I love that when directors like have something that they're obsessed with and they can they can't even help it. Like every one of their movies, you know, what I just realized um, was like that was freaking Joe Dante. Oh yeah. Dante, like if you go back through all his movies, you realize he's obsessed with small creatures because gremlins, small soldiers, and I was like watching the hole the other day, which is really great, and um, there's this little he had to put in this little small creature that attacked. <laughs> is this little small puppet creature but he can't get through a movie without it you know <laughs> i think that's funny that yeah, is funny obsessed with like and and you wonder how much they know or they're just like totally just indulging in them, themselves or whatever you know or if they're in, i like to i like to pretend that they're completely unaware of it but they probably are <laughs> it's more amusing that way, yeah. But it's like a friend of mine told me, and I haven't really noticed this, although I've seen a lot of his movies, but if you go back and watch every Brad Pitt movie, there's always a scene where he's eating, if not more than one. Apparently, he loves to eat on camera, and he'll make, <laughs> supposedly, he'll he'll ask for scenes where he's eating. Like, I mean, I know in all the Oceans movies, he's eating at some point, because that's the character. It kind of makes sense. But apparently, in like every movie he's in, there's a scene where he's eating, which I thought was pretty funny. Yeah, that's awesome. That's that's cool. I'm glad to know that. Yeah, it's a, a project to go back and you can do a, you know write a song about all the things Brad Pitt has eaten or something. Who knows? You know. I can visualize him chewing right now. Right? I, like kind of like side glance chew. I think. Yeah. Side glance is kind of his thing. But it's kind of like a half smile side glance. Yeah. Totally. He likes to like look. He likes to do this thing where he looks away or looks one direction and then he like kind of glances towards the camera you know yeah you know, that thing where he's like still do this like glance one place glance over while he's chewing and side glancing and half smiling that's how i like to imagine brad pitt <laughs> side glancing half smile <laughs> it's like well you, you you see enough movies with the same actor and you notice tropes that that because everyone, you know, everyone has a style and everyone has a thing. I mean, it's what made certain actors famous. Like the reason Christopher Walken has a career is because he's him. You know, he does that. He talks in that way and acts in that way that he's just crazy in every movie and people eat it up, you know? Yep. Yep. I love Walken. Uh, one of my favorite moments in the 2000s was when Fatboy Slim was blowing up and he released the video for Weapon of Choice. And, oh, yeah. and that, that video, that's one of those videos that I rarely will listen. I, I love the song, but I will rarely listen to that song without watching the video. Like I always have to just yeah. pull, up, pull it up on YouTube because that video is just so brilliant. And they didn't even Spike do Jones, right? that much. Yeah. Spike Jones. Yeah. I used to have that. 
DVD with all the Spike Jones videos, but I think I must have given it away or something. <laughs> I when I was broke. Because, <laughs> like, for me as a music fan, like, I grew up watching music videos on TV because, like, I loved listening to music. And, you know, it's it's such a kind of like a thing now where it's not, you know, there's no real TV channel that plays music videos anymore. It's all online. But but mm-hmm. YouTube's kind of become this haven for music videos where you can just go and watch. Oh, man, yeah. Who needs MTV? <laughs> you can watch YouTube all day. It's awesome. I love it. Um, I love sitting around watching YouTube. I don't get to do it often as with all the things that I love, I hardly really ever get them. <laughs> yeah. But it's also tough these days. Like, like for me, like if I go on YouTube or Spotify and I'm listening to something, I fall down the rabbit hole so quick because with the, either on YouTube, the suggestions on the right, and then you just click from one to the next, to the next, to the next, or like yeah. how I discovered most of the nerdcore rappers that I like is what I'll listen to one of you guys' records and see that it featured somebody else. And then click through through Spotify. It brings you right to that artist. I'm like, oh, this artist is also sang with three other artists. I'll click through to that artist. And then next thing you know, I'm like eight artists deep on Spotify and have figured out five more records that I want to go home and buy, you know? It's funny because that's how I used to get in uh, back in when I was a kid. I It used to be it's like what, what liner notes used to be to me. You yeah. know, like I would like buy hip-hop albums and I would read the liner notes. And then I would see, you had to list all the samples um, in the 90s. And I remember, like, finding the records that they sampled, you know, and, like, listen, and then getting into those bands. And then, you know, I liked, I definitely like the rabbit hole, no matter how it manifests itself, for sure. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a great way to discover stuff. And I kind of miss physical media for the same reason, you know, because you you buy that album, it's got, you know, I love reading who the band thanks and who the band featured and, and all that other stuff. and no, there's really no place for that. You know, you can find it online, but it's mostly, you know, people release most things digitally these days. And I, I'm such a sucker for collecting. I remember when album artwork was a thing. It was a job. Like somebody just made album artwork, especially in like heavy oh, yeah. metal. And it's not, it's not really a thing anymore. I mean, I'm sure people do, but. It, it is for me. I have my, I mean, let, let me take this opportunity to plug my graphic designer, um, Jennifer Hennessy. Jennifer Cummins and the she is has done all my album art uh since the honey and she is awesome. Uh she loves doing album art. If you like my albums, look her up online. <laughs> She's got her own website. And uh yeah, she like I don't I I think physical I don't think it's dead at all. Physical media like people are buying lots of albums. You know, I sell yeah. a lot of stuff on tour, people are buying stuff online you know, Wax has made a huge comeback. Like, you know, it's a, I I feel like album art is still very relevant. Also, I like big things. That's why I, one of the main reasons I like making vinyl is, is 50% of the reason I like making vinyl is to have a big picture of your album. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's like, I mean, I like having it on Wax and I like, I love the tactile feeling of it and I like how it sounds and everything. But and I, I know in an age where everything is getting smaller, it's, it might feel like an eccentric thing, but I like, I want things to be bigger. I want like something big taking up a lot of space, you know? <laughs> and that's why I like vinyl so much. That's like the main reason I like vinyl. You don't have to squint at it like you're looking at your phone. And, you know, I'm I'm sick of squinting at little things. You know, and that's, that's the thing I don't like about technology <laughs> is I want 
I'm about ready to get get rid of this iPhone and get myself an iPad and for forego having a phone and just Skype because I'm sick of looking at little shit, you know. Yeah, well, and you can totally do that now too. Between the free messenger services online and uh, and Skype, you could technically just do that because I mean, all the iPhone is is an, an iPod iPod Touch with a phone app on it. So you know. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I'm the same way. Like I, I, a lot of, I, I buy when I can buy a record, if there's a collector's edition that comes with a vinyl, like gorillas, the gorillas record, um, for plastic beach years ago came with a, if you bought the special edition, it came with this giant vinyl that was hand drawn by the same animator who animated them. And like, I love that thing. You know, I, I bought one of those picture frames where you can put vinyls in just because it looks so awesome, you know, and it's so much bigger because mm-hmm. the same artwork totally. was on the dit on the CD disc too. But it was half the size, so who cares? You know, you can't even see the detail. Whereas on yeah, the iron vinyl record, you can see all the trees, you know, and all the, you know, all, just all of the little details on it. Yeah, dude. I love being able to look at the record. Also, it's just a great thing. I love having stacks of records in my house and, like, rotating the front record on my stack, you know? Yeah. Like, always, wherever I live, you'll see, like, five to ten stacks of records leaning against the wall and piles and like in, you know, or on a shelf or whatever. And that I don't like putting them away. I like having them out so you can like go through the stack, you know, and see the, um, see, and you always have like something that you can rotate in front, like your, a record that you want, like are into at that point in time. You know? Yeah. I'm, I'm the same way with CDs. I have a time. I don't have as many vinyls as I'd like. My dad has over like thousands of them, but like they were when I was growing up, le- le- a lot less common. But I have like hundreds of CDs, and I love stacking them, spine out, so you can see and flip through them, and then putting like one in front, so you can see it. Totally. So it's just, it's, it's, I used to do that, but I sold all my CDs, and it uh, kind of ravaged my collection. I've ravaged my vinyl collection as well. And and by the way, I want everybody to know that I'm totally aware that I'm saying so at the end of everything and it's not normally like that. This is just what happens to me when I have a hangover. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's no problem. It, honestly, like I, I, I long for the day where I get, I, I love comments of any kind and engaging with the audience. So if someone has something to say about you saying so, let them bring it. Um, <laughs> this is this has been a, a, a wonderful interview though, uh, Coolsy. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me, coming back after your gondola ride to chat with me. Um, you know, I've heard great things gondola about you. Gondola or gondola? You're you're going for gondola. I'm gonna yeah, I'll go for gondola. I'll I'll join you you're on. Taking that. a hard gondola stand. Yeah, I am. I'm gonna take a hard gondola stand. But uh, but I I, I actually had a, a brief conversation with uh Charles Stunning recently, and she said that you were a delight to talk to, and so I was, and I've been stoked because I'm a fan. So thank you. She, I really appreciate she's you. A, she's a living, breathing delight. That's she awesome. she really is. <laughs> she 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 truly is and i hope she's listening so she can hear us say that um but 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 seriously dude thank you for taking the time i appreciate it and uh hey man i really appreciate the interest and uh and i and thanks so much for uh you know setting this up and including me in your podcast series my my pleasure and uh when you're in new york i'll definitely check you out and uh if you have if you're here for an extended stay we'll we'll schedule some time maybe bring you on the other podcast show as well you can bring one of the one of the cheesy pop records that you like and we can review it sounds good man sounds awesome i would love to well thank you i appreciate that you take care of yourself cool z and uh and i will talk to you soon all right brother take care matt Take care. Bye. 
If you enjoyed these interviews, please subscribe to this and the Crash Chords podcast on iTunes, where you can also rate us and review us. You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Crash Chords Web, our Tumblr, and our YouTube channel. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to post in the comment area below each post. And keep the discussion going, because remember, music is life, and life is good.